No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Jehu's dynasty in Israel continues through Jehoaz and Jehoash. But because of Israel's disobedience, God allows them to suffer defeat at the hands of the Syrians. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 2 Kings chapter 13 on Simply the Bible. Today we look at a story that relates to anyone who has ever struggled with having enough faith. Now it comes from an unlikely source, for the kings of Israel had been notoriously unfaithful. In fact, there was not a single good king in the northern kingdom. Nevertheless, for the sake of the patriarchs, God continued to show them mercy. And today we will see how that mercy manifested itself in the case of one king of Israel and how we can receive God's mercy ourselves to help us in our time of need. We continue in 2 Kings chapter 13. In the 23rd year of Joash, the king of Ahaziah, king of Judah, Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, became king over Israel and Samaria and reigned 17 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and followed the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. He did not depart from them. While Joash, the king of Judah, was embarking upon a building project to renovate the temple in the south, Jehoahaz became king of Israel in the north. You'll recall that because Jehu had executed God's will and wiped out the house of Ahab, that God said Jehu's dynasty in Israel would continue for four generations. Jehoahaz followed in the footsteps of his father Jehu. He didn't worship Baal, but he did worship the golden calves that Jeroboam had set up in Bethel and Dan. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he delivered them into the hand of Hazael, king of Syria, and into the hand of Ben-Hadad, the son of Hazael, all their days. The Lord had anointed Jehu and charged him with the task of ridding Israel of Ahab's dynasty and the worship of Baal. Jehu had done this, but still the people weren't turning back to the Lord nor keeping his covenant. Therefore, God brought the Syrians against them. This is what he promised he would do if his people forsook his covenant. Now, we all like to claim the promises of God's blessings. And truly, God is faithful to bless his people who are faithful to him. But God is also faithful to bring judgment to the disobedient. We should always consider both the kindness and the severity of God. After all, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Or as my pastor used to say, you don't even start to get smart until you start to fear God. Verse 4, So Jehoahaz pleaded with the Lord, and the Lord listened to him, for he saw the oppression of Israel because the king of Syria oppressed them. Then the Lord gave Israel a deliverer, so that they escaped from under the hand of the Syrians, and the children of Israel dwelt in their tents as before. 
Nevertheless, they did not depart from the sins of the house of Jeroboam, who had made Israel sin, but walked in them. And the wooden image also remained in Samaria. For he left of the army of Jehoahaz only 50 horsemen, 10 chariots, and 10,000 foot soldiers. For the king of Syria had destroyed them and made them like the dust at threshing. Now it is curious that Jehoahaz would even think to plead with the Lord because I don't know of any other king of Israel who ever did this. And he, like the other kings of Israel, had been unfaithful to the Lord. Yet Jehoahaz didn't let that stop him from pursuing God and seeking his help. But what is even more amazing to me is that the Lord listened to him, just as he listened to his people cry during the time of the judges. And this shows me how merciful God truly is, and that he won't turn away those who seek him in truth. Also, God had compassion on his people. He saw the oppression they were suffering at the hands of the Syrians and sought to relieve their burden. Therefore, the Lord provided a deliverer, but we don't know who that was. Yet, as had so often been the case, once they were delivered from the immediate pain, they quickly went back to their former ways. I will never forget how full the churches were on the Sunday following 9-11. People were asking, what does this mean? How could this happen? What does God have to say to us? But when the initial panic had subsided, very quickly people returned to the status quo and the churches were back to their attendance they had prior to this horrific attack. There is a foxhole religion. Many people find God when incarcerated, but do they live for God when the bullets stop flying or they are released from their prison cell? The army of Israel was severely diminished. At one time, Ahab could muster 2,000 chariots. Now Israel was reduced to just 10 chariots, 50 horsemen, and 10,000 foot soldiers. It was merely a token army and an embarrassment among the nations. The king of Syria had destroyed them and made them like dust from the threshing floor. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoahaz, all that he did and his might, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? So Jehoahaz rested with his fathers and they buried him in Samaria. Then Joash, his son, reigned in his place. This is where things start to get a bit confusing. For there was a Joash who was king of Judah, and now there is a Joash who is king of Israel. And with both kings, the alternative name Jehoash is used. So I will use Jehoash when referring to the king of Israel and Joash when referring to the king of Judah. In the 37th year of Joash, king of Judah, Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, became king over Israel and Samaria and reigned 16 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin, but walked in them. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoash, all that he did, and his might with which he fought against Amaziah, king of Judah, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Jehoash rested with his fathers, then Jeroboam sat on his throne. And Jehoash was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. 
Not much is said about Jehoash here, except to give the overall tenor of his life. But there is one last story that we are given concerning King Jehoash. Verse 14, Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Jehoash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. We have not heard from Elisha since he sent one of the prophets to anoint Jehu to be the king of Israel. And that was more than 40 years prior to this. But Elisha was still serving the Lord as his faithful prophet. Now he was an old man. He had become ill with the sickness from which he would die. Now, just for the record, Elisha was a man whom God used to perform mighty miracles. He raised a person from the dead. He cleansed a leper. He told the king of Israel exactly when and where the enemy would attack him. Yet Elisha became ill and he didn't get well. Was it because of Elisha's lack of faith? Certainly not. People who are mightily used of God get sick and die. People who are great people of faith get sick and die. Just because someone is sick does not mean that there is sin in his life or that he doesn't have faith. When we are sick, we should pray and ask God to heal us. But his ways are not our ways. Neither are his thoughts our thoughts. And many times, we simply must surrender to his sovereignty, even when he doesn't answer our prayers the way we want or think that he should. Now, I'm surprised that Jehoash even came to Elisha while he was on his deathbed and paid him such respect. In fact, he spoke the same words over Elisha's passing that Elisha had spoken over Elijah's passing. But this tells me that even though the kings of Israel had a lousy track record at righteousness, they still respected the Lord's messenger. And I think this is something we should always keep in mind when we are seeking to witness to others. Your non-Christian friends may not follow in your footsteps of faith, but if you have had integrity and you have loved people, then in their moment of crisis or when you lay on your sickbed, don't be surprised if they come to you and you will know that your light shines much farther than you realize. And Elisha said to him, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Now, what's going on here? In a nutshell, Elisha sees this desperate son of Israel and has compassion on him. With his dying breath, he gives Jehoash an opportunity to defeat the perennial enemy of Syria. But it will require faith on his part. And there is a lesson here that every good and perfect gift comes from God, but it also comes by faith. 
I love this imagery of Elisha telling Jehoash to put his hands on the bow and then Elisha placing his hands over the hands of the king. How like God this is, who strengthens us so that we can bend a bow of bronze and fight courageously against the enemy. He makes our hands strong. Then Elisha told him to shoot an arrow eastward toward Syria. And Elisha told him that this was the arrow of the Lord's deliverance from Syria. God was giving Jehoash the power to destroy the Syrians. Then Elisha told the king to strike the ground with his remaining arrows. Jehoash struck the ground three times and stopped. And Elisha became angry. Why? Because Jehoash lacked the faith to believe God for complete destruction of the Syrians. He would settle for three victories when he could have had much more. Elisha led him to see that God was willing to honor his faith, but he left it to Jehoash to demonstrate that faith. And this is where he faltered because he had so little faith. Now, I wonder how this story applies to us. Even though we are undeserving of God's favors, I wonder how many times God would have given us a great victory over the enemy. God reveals his power and grace to us. He shows us that he is the source of our strength. But then he leaves it up to us to exercise faith in his promises and trust that he will help us overcome. He will help us advance his kingdom. He will help us do exceedingly more than we think. But so often we are of such little faith. May God help us trust in his promises and act on them because he is gracious and merciful and willing to help us to do it. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we'll see where Amaziah reigns in Judah. He defeats the Edomites, but when he challenges Israel, he's defeated. It's a lesson in not meddling where we don't belong. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 2 Kings on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible